You are listening to the Sermon Podcast for Triumph Lutheran Brethren Church. Our vision is to see the life and message of Jesus transform hearts, homes, and cities. Wherever you are, our prayer is that God would meet you and that the life and message of Jesus would transform your life. To find more resources, go to triumphlbc.org. If you have been with us uh, some this summer, uh, you're familiar that with the, the summer series, we're calling it Dwell. Uh, we're using an opportunity this summer to memorize scripture together as a congregation. And, and if you haven't been with us much this summer and you'd like to, there's still some brown envelopes back on the table, just a few of them left, and they say dwell in it, and they have these cards that are the scripture passages that we're memorizing together, and you can join us in memorizing scripture that that God's word might dwell in us richly. Several months ago, the pastors, all of the pastors got together, and we began talking about this series, and we thought, well, This is a great idea. How do we put it into practice? What do we, which which verses do we use? And then which verses, how much of which verses do we make as the sermon text? And you know, there was this conversation about it. And what it came down to is there, there was a few criterion that we wanted to use in choosing what our what our key texts would be for this summer. There were some verses, of of all the verses we could have picked that are common to memory structures and memory systems, there were some verses that just placed the gospel message in such a succinct statement or such a, 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 a powerful way that we wanted to include those verses. So part of what we're memorizing is these powerful gospel communicating verses. There were some that were just so common that we wanted to include them because then we share this common uh, experience. They were just some of the very, very familiar passages that you know well, and, and many of them hit both of those. And then there were some of these that are memory verses, but, but they're sometimes kind of misunderstood or maybe just misplaced a little bit, have a tendency to be pulled out of context. And we wanted to not only memorize those, but we also wanted to take a little bit of time to take a look at those. Well, this, our text for today from John chapter eight kind of hits both the first and the third of these. It is very common, but it communicates the gospel pretty succinctly. But at the same time, this is a familiar Verse, or at least parts of it are familiar and often taken out of context or, or dare I say, by a lot of people, it's misunderstood. It's from John chapter 8 and it's verses 31 and 32. Jesus is talking to a group of people here and then John makes this statement and this quote of Jesus. To the Jews who have believed him, Jesus said, 
If you hold to my teaching, you are really my disciples. Then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. You've likely heard the last part of that verse before. It's often quoted, and I hear it often quoted from people who it seems would have no concept that it's actually a biblical passage. This gets quoted out in just our general culture, out in people who will quickly say, the truth will set you free. It's a declaration that resonates with so many of us. It resonates because it makes sense to us. And and it resonates because many of us, many of us have come to recognize that lies put us in bondage. That lies tend to take us captive. Have you ever been captive to a lie? Some of the most difficult lies are are the ones we tell. Some of the lies that put us in the worst bondage or the greatest slavery are the lies that we tell. Give you an example from my life. If if you've heard me before, there are several times when the, the, the stories that shaped my life so often are stories of growing up on a dairy farm. Well, this is one of them. So if you don't relate to dairy farm stories, hang in there. It's, it's not going to take the whole message. But when I was a, a teenager, probably a young teenager, probably 13, 14 years old, it was my job one night to milk the cows. Didn't take a long time. We didn't have a lot of cows. It was probably 25 cows. And it didn't take that long. We could milk in about 45 minutes, but I put it off. I procrastinated, told my brothers, yes, I know, I have to do the milking tonight. I'll do the milking tonight, yep. And I put it off and put it off. My brothers all went to do other things. I put it off. Finally, I couldn't put it off anymore, and I started. But I did it half-heartedly, and it was taking me forever. Not that it had to. It just did, because I didn't, I wasn't diligent about it. And it was taking me so long that eventually I thought, man, I should have been done a long time ago. And then the thought entered my mind, would my brothers know if I just quit? I was probably two-thirds done. Would my brothers know if I just didn't milk the last bunch of cows? I, I don't think they would. I don't know if they pay close enough attention so I didn't. I decided I'm not, I, I'm done. And as I was cleaning everything up and I was gonna go, believing this lie that I told myself that they'll never know, right? It dawned on me, I, I was a little, it, it, it seems now that I tell the story, I think I was not as bright as I'd like to imagine me, my 13 year old self being. I wasn't as quick, because it dawned on me when the milk truck comes tomorrow to pick up the milk and take it to the creamery, they're going to know how much is there and it's going to be obvious that there's not enough milk in the tank. Something went wrong. Oh, no, I'm going to be found out. 
the reasonable thing to do, the wise thing to do would have been to suck it up, go back and milk the rest of the cows. I didn't do that. What I did was take approximately the amount of water that I would have gotten from those third of the cows and put that in the tank. And, and I realized now there's enough liquid in the tank. And even as I was doing it, it dawned on me, somebody's gonna take a sample of this and say, are the Ragnus cows giving skim milk now? Right, this wasn't gonna work. But now there was too much liquid in the tank for me to go back and milk the rest of the cows. So now I couldn't even fix it. I was trapped. You ever been trapped in a lie? And I even convinced myself that it, it wasn't entirely a lie. If my brothers asked me the question, did you milk the cows? I could say, I milked cows. I didn't milk all of them. I didn't have to say that, right? But it could be a partial truth, and I wouldn't have to give a blatant lie. There's a reason why in our court system, we don't just ask people to tell the truth. We ask them to tell the whole truth and nothing else, right? Because half-truths and partial truths and truths mixed with some untruth, they lead us captive, they enslave us in the same way that blatant lies do. And because we know that lies enslave us, that lies take us captive, this verse resonates with us. You'll know the truth and the truth will set you free. I get why people say that. I get why they love that phrase. But there is a couple of problems with using that phrase as a blanket statement. There's a couple of problems with lifting that up all by itself. And the first one of those problems is that our culture has a difficult relationship with the concept of truth. And it's not just our Western 21st century culture, cultures, human culture throughout the centuries has had a difficult problem with an interesting relationship with this idea of the truth because, pardon me if I just wax philosophical here for a minute, because, because truth is one of two things. Either it is objective, meaning it exists and it's outside of us, and, and we should learn what it is, figure it out, and live underneath it. It's objective. Or it is subjective, meaning it's subject to my whim or our whim. And the reality of the human condition is we like truth that we're comfortable with. We like truth that is familiar to us. Human beings like truth better if truth is subject to me. You hear people even say that. They'll say, oh, that's your truth. That's not my truth. My truth is different. As if truth is only truth when I like it. Or truth is only truth when it's convenient 
to me, or truth is only truth when I want it or say that it's true, when I want it to be true. The reality is that subjective truth is meaningless. Subjective truths are not only meaningless, but they cannot possibly set us free. Think about it. Can a slave set his master free? Can a slave set her master free? Whatever enslaves me can set me free. Whatever is my master can set me free. But if, if that thing is subject to me, it can't set me free because it has no power or authority over me. A subjective truth cannot set us free. Even if we love the phrase, it's powerless. We can only be set free by something I am, I can only be set free by something I am subject to. There's another reality that causes a problem if we make this blanket statement, the truth will set you free, and it's this, that sometimes the truth doesn't set us free. Sometimes the truth is the very thing that condemns us. On a very practical and obvious level, one of the examples would be if you walk into any jail or any prison anywhere in our culture, you will run into a lot of people who wouldn't be in jail right now if the truth hadn't come out. The truth condemned them. And I know, we can say, oh, well, but the truth saved them from being worried about being caught. Well, yeah, only because they got caught. Right? The truth, the truth condemned them from, or the, the truth set them free from the guilt. No, I bet it didn't. The truth sometimes condemns us. And that's even true in God's word. Right? The truth of God, the truth of God's word condemns us, doesn't it? So it's a, it's a bit of a problem for us to, to say as a blanket statement, to hang our hat on this idea that the truth will set you free because sometimes it does and sometimes it doesn't but whether or not the truth, knowing the truth, hearing the truth, coming to grips with the truth, whether or not that really does set us free or not, that's kind of different from what this verse really means. That's not what this verse is trying to communicate. It's bigger than that. It's better than that.
And to, com- to understand a little more deeply where this is going, we need to keep going to the next few verses. So we started with verse 31 and 32. If you hold to my teaching, you really are my disciples. You will know the truth and the truth will set you free. But among this crowd are some religious leaders and some others. And they respond to this statement that Jesus makes. They answer him, we're Abraham's descendants. We've never been slaves of anyone. How can you say that we shall be set free? I'm going to pause here for a minute. Did they forget Egypt? (laughs) Right? Right? Did Did they completely forget generations of slavery in Egypt? Decades of slavery? Did they forget Moses drawing them together and leading them through the Red Sea to freedom from slavery in Egypt? What do you mean we've never been slaves of anyone? Did they... Did they forget the Babylonians who at different times came in and conquered them and hauled large numbers of them off? Maybe, maybe I'm a little harsh on them. Maybe what they were saying is we, those of us who are standing here talking to you, we are sons of Abraham and we have never been slaves to anybody. Maybe it wasn't a a, a categorical we, all of us, descendants of Abraham. Maybe it was was an individual we. It's like, Jesus, we don't need to be set free. We're good. We don't need, whatever this freedom is, we we don't need it. Listen to Jesus' answer. Jesus replied, very truly I tell you, everyone who sins is a slave to sin. Everyone who sins is a slave to sin. Um, Anybody here have the sneaking feeling that you should hang your head at this point? Because that's me. And, and if I may be so bold, that's you. Because note it doesn't say, Jesus doesn't say, everyone who sins a lot is a slave to sin. Some of you, I'm 100% convinced that some of you in this room sin less often than I do. But it doesn't say anyone who sins often is a slave to sin. And it doesn't say anyone who commits one of those big sins, I'll let you decide what those are. Anybody who says, anybody who commits one of those big sins, they're a slave to sin. No, even the things might, that might seem like No big deal to most people. Anyone, anyone, anyone who sins. 
It doesn't even say anyone who habitually sins or anyone who's addicted to things that are sinful or anyone. It just says anyone who sins is a slave. Everyone who sins is a slave to sin. Partly to let these people who are questioning him know, you don't think you're slaves? What kind of illusion are you living under? If you sin, you're a slave to sin. That's one of those uncomfortable truths that condemn us, isn't it? But he doesn't stop there. So you're a slave to sin? Well, a slave has no permanent place in the family. But a son belongs to the family forever. So if the son sets you free, you are free indeed. If the son sets you free, you are free indeed. In the, in the terms of slavery, <clears throat> only the master can set the slave free, but a son, a son was a permanent part of the household and the son could speak for the father. And if the son sets you free, you're free. And Jesus is the son who sets us free, right? Jesus is the son who sets us free. Furthermore, if we, if we go forward in John's gospel a little bit to chapter 14, we go forward a little ways, Jesus says something else that is very significant in this conversation. Jesus says, I am the way and the truth and the life. Jesus doesn't say, I am the way and I know the truth. Jesus says, I am the truth. And Jesus has told his disciples, if if you believe me, if you believe what I say, if you hold to the truth that I'm telling you, if you hold to those words, you are my disciples and you will know the truth, Jesus says. And the truth will set you free. Slaves are set free by the one who is the truth. So the reality is, the truth is, the truth is that you and I are slaves to sin. But if you hold to Jesus' teaching, if you, if you take him for what he says, if you trust in the words that he has said, then, then you're his disciples. He has said it is finished on the cross. He has said you're forgiven if you trust in me. He has said those slaves to sin have been set free. And if you 
believe what he says. You are his disciples, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. And you are his disciples, and you will know Jesus. And Jesus will set you free. That's the real communication of this verse. Not that the truth in some philosophical way frees you. No. Trust in Jesus, the one who is the truth, and you will know Jesus. And Jesus will set the slave to sin free. You pray with me. Father, we thank you. As people who recognize our slavery to sin, as people who recognize that we can't possibly free ourselves from, from the way sin enslaves us, the bondage that we are in, we thank you that, that you are the one who sets us free. That we're set free not because, we thank you that we're set free not, not by knowing the right answers or by doing the right things, but we're set free by the one who is the truth, Jesus. God the Son. Lord, we thank you for that. And we humbly ask, by the work of Jesus, would you remind us often that we have been set free by the work of your Son, Jesus, in whose name we pray. Hey, I'm Pastor Doug. I just want to take a minute and to say thank you for downloading or streaming this content today. We at Triumph pray that it will transform your heart and draw you closer to Jesus Christ. I have three quick thoughts that I just want to share with you and it'll, it'll only take a minute. First, we'd love to connect with you. If you'd be willing, visit our website at triumphlbc.org connect and let us know how we can reach out to you. Or you can visit triumphlbc.org events to find an activity that you could jump into. Second, we hope that you see this content as supplementary in your walk with Jesus. Our, our digital content isn't really designed to be a replacement for belonging and engaging with a gospel community, whether that's here at Triumph or another church. And third, we invest a lot into producing this content and it's used to bless people like you and others all over our community. If this or really any of our other resources that you find online have been a blessing to you, would you consider giving? It's because of your generosity that we're able to continue creating and serving online. Thanks again and may the Lord bless you.